0: Welcome to edition 114 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is here, back from Blackpool and ready to go again. I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, pleasure beach, cruel to be kind, oh my, how many times have I used that, and Big month latest. Yes, you can tell I spent a lot of time putting those together. Uh, We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are former Norwich City Head of Content and Program Editor Dan Brigham. Hello, Michael. And we also have City fan and on the ball's official lawyer, which immediately makes her a vitally important member of the pod, given there's always a risk we'll defame someone. It's Susanna George. Hi. (laughs) There she is. Hello, guys. Hello, everyone out there. Uh, Welcome to this week's podcast. Um, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Dan, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, I've had to put the big light on for the first time this season, which um, to do this podcast, uh, which probably marks the start of the season proper, I think, doesn't it now? Oh, yes. It's always
0: a big moment when the clocks go back, I think, because that's when you, you you leave Carrow Road on a Saturday, but it's dark. <laughs> that's always quite a, um, a big moment. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, it's a bit like Norwich turning the floodlights on on a Saturday at home to West Brom.
1: I mean, nowhere near is my lighting as light as the new lights at Carrow Road, though, which are, well, it's kind of close encounters of the third kind, isn't it? It's so bright when it lands burning your face you fine. don't get I'm you sure. don't get to see them do you michael because you're in you're in the city stand in the press box so you don't oh, get no. to see how light they are from elsewhere in the ground
0: no no I, i'm convinced they just they i remember the first home game which was the cup game that wasn't bournemouth it was the one before that which was birmingham i remember now seamless um and within the first 15 minutes i was like this what are these lights it's burning my retina they are burning my retinas and i just thought it was me being oversensitive but since then everyone inside car road has basically felt the same so we just assume that they're perfectly safe and um and it's just fine so we'll see how we get on after a full full season of them i suppose uh, susanna how are you
2: i'm good i'm still pretty happy about after after blackpool to be honest and then we go again tomorrow so pretty yeah very elated
0: can't get enough of the football Uh, well well done for for getting to blackpool and having enjoying that trip uh, of which we will speak to in a moment Uh, for those of you watching us live on your chosen social media platform we also want to hear from you during the course of the podcast Uh, it can be on absolutely anything haven't come up with any topics this week so throw us topics ask us anything you wish and we'll pick apart those questions as we go through the podcast. And if you want to contribute anything to the pods or the future pods but are not listening live, that's okay. Have no fear. Simply email us with your story or comment or whatever it is you want to say. The email address is twitterkers Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com, twittikers at iCloud.com. I tell you what, let's crack on, shall we, with this week's Headline Act. <music> Which, of course, is some club football, which had felt, you know, we'd missed club football over the course of international football because international football isn't as good, let's be honest. Um, So we welcomed back the club football and we welcomed it back with Norwich City winning 1-0 in Blackpool. The sort of result and performance, Dan, that is the mark of promotion. A game where we're not going to remember anything about it in probably (laughs) another 12 hours' time.
1: Yeah, well, this this podcast almost becomes sort of mark of austerity now, doesn't it? For, for about this season because there've been already, and uh, you don't want to say on a negative note, but already a lot of uh, games that are very forgettable. But um
0: <laughs> <I> don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything that's happened no. this year. I suddenly had a great. It's been. I suddenly had a sort of
1: panic before joining us. I really have no recollection of the game before the international break which um, which I think applies to most of the games this season. But equally, then I thought, well, it applies to most of the games in the Championship in 2021. Obviously, we weren't there then because of lockdown. But what we're doing is winning really forgettably, which is, as you say, <laughs> the market champions, isn't it? Um, <laughs> is it? What, is it? What, we, what we still don't know, though, is whether the way we're winning games is going to be sustainable or whether it's... Um, or whether it is... Um, a kind of mark that we're not going to be, when we came up, come up against teams around us over the next month, whether we're going to be found out a little bit. I think against Blackpool, particularly after we scored, we kind of saw in a 20-minute spell how good we can be in this division and should have been streets ahead. But again, in the second half, we sort of let all Blackpool play themselves back into it again. So we once again, like, we, like we've been saying for most of the season, we've seen both the best sides of Norwich City Football Club and and the worst sides of Norwich City Football Club this season.
0: It's absolutely. I mean, I, Susanna, you went. How, how did you enjoy your? Did you enjoy being at Blackpool? Did you enjoy the experiences? A lot. It was a long way. What was it like being in the away end?
2: It was. It was. I, I think it's been a lot of videos. Talking about it was. It was phenomenal. Speaking of forgettable games, I cannot actually tell you anything remarkable that happened in the last fifteen minutes because we were all having such a good time, and also <laughs> the rain was pelting down, so we couldn't see a whole lot anyway. But everyone was just jumping; there was just limbs everywhere. You were lucky if you got to see anything going on, but we really just didn't care, which is really weird when you're one 0 down because you, those last sort of fifteen minutes are normally quite tetchy in terms of, you know, whether you're going to hang on to it. There was no concern; we were all just having an absolutely brilliant time. Um, the drum really uh really sort of just kept us going I think we actually sang the same song for the last 15 minutes which I think yes. annoyed Blackpool <laughs> yes did. Um, <laughs> the,
0: the, the press box was literally next to the away fans which is kind of lovely I did kind of enjoy that I remember that from Blackpool in 2014 when we went back when we went last we're not normally there normally we're in the middle of a home stand because we're on the halfway line along a touchline and that's not normally where you put away fans so um we're normally in the midst of just home fans and or just empty seats in the championship it's amazing how empty the, play, the space is around a press box especially if we're very high up um and there were no fans for the entire uh right hand side of us but all we had were norwich the norwich fans bang on the on the left um which as i said was great made it quite difficult to get to the interviews after the game because all of the away fans had to kind of leave first but as you said susanna it was uh it was 50 minutes of a song I don't think I've heard Norwich fans sing very much, but the words are very straightforward. <laughs> I mean, you can give us a rendition if you want, uh, Susanna. But all I have is the... Uh, and that, that was that's still going on in my head now, I think. Yeah, no, it, it, it
2: was good. I, I actually had never heard that song before, um, but I definitely know it now.
0: Um, I yeah I can't remember what the words... It's something about... Uh, um, it was when Twitter, I was young,
2: I follow the NCFC, uh, the team for me, I
0: think. Yeah, four lines, <laughs> if I'm mean, barely one sentence, it's fine. I think everyone will be able to sing it. It'll be interesting if... Because Ultimate, let's be honest here, Dan, one song of four lines, probably about 12 words and a drum beat on repeat for 50 minutes is kind of better than nothing, which is what we've occasionally had at Carrow Road, or... <laughs> <laughs> or indeed, booze! <laughs> so, which, which, you know, I it, I guess it's it's interesting because I, I love British and English crowds, especially for how engaged they are in the football. But if, if there is that sort of slightly broken atmosphere element, which we've obviously discussed in the past, then you are better off just having a repetitive, monotonous <laughs> chant going on in the background.
1: Yeah, well, it's worked for a lot of pop music over the years, hasn't it? And what I suppose... <laughs> Uh, the last season of the Premier League, away fans, we had nothing to sing about, particularly the season before that was lockdown. So maybe this was maybe there's a realisation that although not everyone is entirely happy with the, some of the performances, the fact we are winning lots of games makes going away, watching your team win worthwhile. And Norwich fans haven't really experienced that for uh, two years. So maybe it was, I mean, I wasn't there on Saturday, but maybe that sort of collective sense that, well, we should just really enjoy this. You know, while the times are good, which they are at the moment, we should really Really make sure we enjoy them. Uh,
0: Shane Jones has been in touch. Shane says this was on Facebook. Apologies if you're watching on Twitter. I can't see your Twitter comments, but on YouTube and Facebook, uh, I can indeed. Uh, the drum in the away end was very good. Let's just hope when we are back at home, we haven't got to Grace a ma- Grace got to Grace a man on a bit of scaffolding behind a big screen with a drum. Get him in the stands. Well, that's obviously a long-running debate, but uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I suppose it helps when you're winning. I don't know. Maybe if Norwich had been 1-0 down for 70 minutes, then that drum might have been like a drill in everyone's <laughs> head. Who knows? But um, it's, yeah. it's a nice position, at least, to be in from here. Um, I did write... Well, I've written two bits on on The Athletic uh, recently. Uh, one is on Aaron Ramsey. So let's have that as the first point. I spoke to him after the game on um, on Saturday. And um, but what struck me was, A, how happy he was. Absolutely beaming. He was happy. He was fully fully ingrained in what it was to to, and obviously he knows that this is a good move for his career especially if norwich go and do something special this season um but just in, in clearly how he felt about it and how much he wanted it and how much he was enjoying it which was really good to see and i feel like i owe him a slight apology because he he was and i'm sure i've said this on the podcast he was the player where i was like i'm not really sure about this the one where i thought it's it's difficult to you know want and probably the the scarves of last season. it's difficult to want a lone player who's clearly highly talented from another team to develop here because we kind of need to deal with this ourselves and get our own players going. Um but he, he is he he does have a really lovely lad and he is um about as good as we've got attacking wise I I would say in, in that sort in those forward midfield well he's he's dangerous Dan. He looks after the ball and um and he is really threatening and he makes things happen. Even if he may be in and out of the game, there is some end
1: product. I think he's creating the. Was it in your piece actually, I read This that he's creating the most chances per game in the Championship at the moment. I think we initially saw him yes, yes. about on the. <laughs> who else is writing about Norwich <laughs> apart from you, Obviously, no, definitely- we, we initially saw him on the left at the start of the season. I don't, and I think we've seen him as a completely different player when he's played in that more of a number ten uh, central role that he has, and he looks much much more effective in that number ten role. He seems to have. Um, uh, that ability to link up play between back and front really easily. Um, that maybe say Dowell or Cantwell um, don't have that kind of ability, that that sort of innate ability that Ramsey has. And he's got that little bit of extra pace as well. And uh, aside from his, you know, excellent, you know, technique and his uh, ability on the ball, I think himself and Nunes and Le- the likes of Liam Giggs, Gibbs, <laughs> Liam Giggs. Liam Gibbs are really important this season because. A lot of our players are going through a, you know, a, a third tilt at winning the championship, which, um, like it or not, as, as much as you want to put into it, sometimes that, as a collective, can hold you back a little bit because these people have won the championship twice. So having players like Nunes and uh, Gibbs and Ramsey just kind of have it being fresh at it and seemingly really enjoying being out there on the pitch is absolutely crucial in a really long season, I think, as well.
0: I mean, some Aston Villa fans, Susanna, have picked up on on that sort of slight reticence from most fans about why Aaron Ramsey was joining and what he was going to deliver. I mean, do you sense that that's eased a bit much
2: more now? I think so. I mean, I'm, I personally was really interested to see Aaron Ramsey, just because we can pretty much pin his you know, his inclusion down to Dean Smith. That is quintessentially a Dean Smith signing. And I think that's what we... we we couldn't have last season and so we really wanted him to do well because i think that helped obviously that helps kind of get behind dean smith because i know i mean still very 50 50 i think with a lot of people on on how he's doing but the fact that he's coming good and that 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 well not coming good, but the fact that we're seeing what he can do and how good he is is you know it's it, it's good and it really does speak for dean smith as a manager and i think it it's it shows that he he knows what he needs to do with this squad. That he's really making it his own now. I mean, obviously that this is the time to be making his own from the summer. But you know, he didn't get to have that kind of freedom in January signing people he needed and wanted. And this is this is sort of his test really, and and it's it's going well thankfully.
0: Exactly, and it's a beautiful segue into into the other question, which I was going to bring up, which is again from another piece I wrote. Because all I do is sit here and plug <laughs> my pieces, really, on the Athletic, It's my job, but um, you know, it, it, it was a column uh, about whether Dean Smith deserves a bit more credit for what he's doing, and and there's a lot of focus on the the style and whether the football is any good, Dan. Which is an argument I'm kind of struggling with, to be honest, because I think Norwich are showing good things in good. Phases and they've been sloppy in others. And as you said, we're gonna and we'll talk about in a bit, we're really gonna see where that leads to over the next month, because there's some cracking games coming up. But you know, the guy is managing a, a, a big group of players and a team that's won what, seven of the last eight games. You know, they, they in terms of producing a functional football that is that is working, and I suppose how how I think he explains things pretty well around games as well and what he's doing. So um, I guess maybe the the things that Norwich fans are missing are the things maybe they miss about Daniel Farker, but no one talks about Daniel Farker when he loses 5-1 with reaching back at the weekend, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's, it's odd. it started off on an odd footing with Dean Smith because if you just take away Norwich City, his Brentford side were excellent play, really great little connected football in the way that we know Brentford can play. Um, and his Aston Villa side played really sort of different style of football to Brentford, but got back to front really quickly through, um, you know, and uh, midf- had really excellent midfield um, and played good football. So there should be, there should be some people kind of thought he'd came in as a bit of a sort of English dinosaur, a bit of a Sean Dyche. And he's, he's not that at all. He he plays, his teams play good football. And we've seen that in, la- you know, bursts throughout this season. We've seen that in 20, 30 minute spells. We saw that against Blackpool uh, after we scored particularly as well. So, he you know, I think he's had a bit of disrespect that is he, undeserved but what I would say is um there are moments in games and across games where it does look like an, an eleven that isn't coached as well as it was under daniel Farker, but uh, that's that's not necessarily a bad reflection on Dean Smith Daniel Farker is an excellent coach at championship level that so what not everyone's going to be as good as Daniel Farker at coaching players to play really on the front for possession-based football. What Dean Smith can do, uh, he can do stuff and coach stuff that Daniel Farker can't as well. He's got his own strengths that Farker didn't have. Um, and what I would also say is he's still, he's A, without Buendia, but also trying to work out his best 11 still. We still flick between a four-two-three-one and a 4 3 quite a lot. Um, whether that's going to continue out the, throughout the season, because Dean Smith wants to do that wants to sort of line us up slightly different in games which again is a potential positive as well I don't know but wh- when we click we look slicker than um, pretty much any team in the championship maybe barring a few times the team Burnley when we click we just look again way too good for this division
0: I mean it's interesting because ultimately they probably would look not as well coached as Daniel Farker because Dean Smith is working on a on the way he likes to do things is to give his players more control. I spoke to him about this at Colney during the press conference this morning because there is clearly an element where the head coach and the coaches have to step in and make changes and spot the obvious and, and lead the team to where they need to go. It's not like they're just leaving them to work it all out on their, on their own. But they are allowing the players the room to solve their own problems on the pitch. They're not as... um uh, they they're not as as uh, as restrictive I guess in the coaching of how they're going to do things and that sort of automatic those automatic patterns I guess so in that element they probably would look a little bit more ramshackled, and there probably is a degree of trying to be more direct and then create things a bit more sporadically than maybe some of the you know routine passing patterns that, that Daniel Farker was trying to implement and maybe stricter elements um but also. It's interesting how some, you know, I don't I don't know how many people in Daniel Farkas' first season thought the football was really good. I think a lot of them thought it was really <laughs> dull and actually just doesn't work. And they were saying that even though actually the problem wasn't that the football was dull, it's that they weren't taking their chances. No one was sitting there going, God, this team is great. They're brilliant. They score, they create so many chances. I'm really enjoying it. Obviously, they don't score any of them, but that's fine. No one says that. They only judge it by whether those chances are being taken and the team is being productive. So um, I think it's, I, I think it's a it's a tricky debate. And I know some people don't like what they're watching and, and we can have that debate lots. And that's fine because it's football and everyone's entitled to the two different uh, opinions. Um, but uh, I, I think there needs to be a realism about the job he's done so far. But also, I guess, the fact that we are so early in the season. Because one thing that struck me before kickoff Susanna on Saturday was that uh, the last time Norwich were there in 2014, they were looking very good. They won 3-1. Everything was great. Um, Neil Adams was in charge and by the January he had resigned and, uh, you know, but for an inspired appointment of Alec Neal, you don't really know what the rest of that season might've looked like. Uh, likewise, when Norwich relegated and then had their, their bid to to return in 2016, 17, um, that was another season where it started off incredibly well. And then one result spooked them pretty much. And, um, and it all unraveled again and you're sort of chasing your tail a bit. So, uh, I guess it's however so good the start has been. Um, it's it's still really early.
2: I, I guess I guess so. It's, I mean, yeah, it, it is early, but then it's it's still I'm still just stats with me. They're eight, eight unbeaten. I mean, the only two teams in the top in the top two tiers that have done that are Sheffield, and by the way, they just drew to Birmingham, who we beat, and they were quite a formidable side, so that's good. And Man City, and I mean, we're comparing ourselves to that. Like, Pretty, it's pretty good going and yes it might not it might not last but that's why you you try and take results and try and carry on this streak as long as you can because it you know it can disappear it might might be in a couple of weeks time it might be when we if we, if we get promoted um I just, yeah
0: disappear. love it uh, i was listening to the radio and someone said that manchester city <laughs> have been uh, cruising in first gear, you know, they've dropped points where it's been a bit needless because they've, it's just been a bit easy for them. And then they've been a bit sloppy at times, but obviously they've been very good when it's clicked. I oh, yeah, I'm not saying that Norwich are doing the same thing, but certainly the themes are, uh, the themes are similar. Because I think most of those things I'd use to describe marriage, um, right? Which uh, did you, I don't know if anyone saw any uh, fun questions. Let me see if there were any other nice comments that we can bring up on here. Oh, Alex has chipped in. Do I prefer the Tifo podcast or the On the Ball podcast? Why? Why make me choose between two, you know, things that are amazing? Alex is what I say. I love, I love doing both. I would happily do them all day, all the time. But I think everyone <laughs> would get sick of me um never mind what was being done
1: so thank you for that Alex <coughs> were well, you uh, late oh, for that one as well Michael
0: how dare you I don't know what you're talking about no I was bang on time but I just had to I had to get to London so that was a was a was a travesty really uh oh Shane Jones at this stage of the season so far you can answer this guys who is your player of the season I love this I love this question because it pops up at regular intervals during the course of the season will it change who will it be now player of the season
1: no sitting on the fence Unless you're uh, you, uh, For me, it's Nunes because I think um, he, he knots the performances together much better than, from deep, much better than anyone else has. And I think him playing essentially without holding midfielder for much of this season and still having as big an impact as he has is very special. But also a shout out to Grant Hanley, who gets a lot of unfair stick, but has been excellent this season again. Love that. that oh. now.
2: I don't know. No, I, I think before he got injured, I'd have said Liam Gibbs, but then he got oh. injured. I really, I thought he was great. I just thought he was great. Um, I don't, I don't, oh, this is really hard. I don't know. I, I, I have my mind of the match from Saturday, but the play of the season so far. Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I, I still also really like Max. I think Max is always so consistent. We rely, rely on him so heavily. He's played, God knows how many games just always started, always played the full 90 minutes. I think for that stamina and to always perform, I think just really well. Um, I, yeah, maybe Max, I'd say.
0: Who was your player hmm. of the match at uh, Blackpool?
2: Tim Krul. I was surprised that he wasn't put forward because he made some cracking saves. There were, there were really three. I think they had was 18 shots, six on target. Three of them, I think two of them came quite close succession in sort of the 72nd minute. I thought they were brilliant. And the thing is, we were only one nil up. Any one of those goes in. The whole game suddenly changes. And I know a lot of people have been sort of suggesting that Angus should be brought in and said, love Angus as a player. But, but I think then you've got to give credit to him when he keeps us in the game. And I'd say that he did so it. He,
1: um, he was in the Who Scored Team of the Week, wasn't he? Championship yeah, team he of the was Week was cool. <laughs> Which blew my mind because I, I don't remember any of his saves, weirdly. But obviously... Obviously, he made a few, but well, none, Sus- of them, none of them was there. Susanna was there, and I was watching it on my laptop with uh, a feed with uh, the Blackpool uh, commentary as well, which was quite insightful to see the, hear the opposition comms. <laughs>
0: Yes, please talk to me about this, because um, I, I know obviously loads of people who follow Norwich and supporters would have would have been fully exposed to I follow commentary a lot. But I haven't really ever heard it because I'm normally at the game, so I don't get to take this in. So well, could you, could, can you remember any gems,
1: Dan? One of that? the well, one of the joys of the lockdown season, one of the few joys of the lockdown season was having to listen to opposition uh, commentators talk about Norwich City, which went from between like September and December was grudging respect and then in January when we hit our stride went to just purring about us and saying how great we were which you know which is often a slight contrast to how we re- talk about our own team um, they don't see the little quibbles we have they just see a team playing really well and that was a welcome return on Saturday to uh, after we scored that their desperation for uh, the halftime whistle to go was um, was something to behold <laughs> um, they they just wanted desperately to get in at half time they thought we were playing fantastic football, but that was kind of bested by the fact they 'd really disliked the referee. I mean that they really had it in for the referee. Uh, they sarcastically t- called in one of the elite referees by the end, they were calling him Mr. Coot, which uh, I think is probably quite a passive aggressive way to uh, describe a referee um, and by by the injury time. They said if there's any justice in the world, Blackpool would get an equaliser. Not because they deserved one, but because the ref had been so bad in their eyes. You know, he had, he had a bit of a poor game, but on, on, for both teams, I thought, as well. Um, but it was, yeah, it's good. It's good to hear uh, neutrals or even opposition fans talking really positively about Norwich City
0: um I, you know i thought david coote was a a referee who looked like he was used to refereeing with var if i'm honest and it was really interesting how that then does clearly affect them slightly in terms of how they deal with the game i think um i don't know how there wasn't um a, a red card on, on El hernandez earlier in the game because there was a tackle that literally sent him spinning in the air but uh there we go uh that's all i'm going to say on that um Right. Brilliant. Well, I think that that does that very nicely. Uh, What I like to do now is take us through and I haven't got a sting for this bit. So apologies. Take us through our uh, things we are not going to talk about. So we are not going to talk about all these uh, all these things. Um, And you kind of teed up one of them, Susanna, because I've got Tim Krull and the World Cup, because that happened over the uh, over our break from podcasts in that uh, Tim Krull doesn't appear to be now going to the World Cup because he didn't turn up for a A penalty assessment session (laughs) they're my words Um, uh, that Louis van Gaal called for all his goalkeepers I mean I'm guessing Tim kind of went you want me to do what no 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 have you not been watching me for the last year you know I'm fine you know how I can do it Um, and so Louis didn't like that and now Tim's not going to the World Cup which I mean seems remarkably petty Susanna now that you know Tim's not going to the World Cup unless he maybe will do maybe he will do in the end and everyone will make up who knows
2: um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got to. If it's your job to turn up training, you've got to turn up and, and do things. But um, yeah, we all know he can do good things with penalties. But um, to be honest, the fewer players of ours, as much as it's a great joy to to see them play on international stage, because it's sort of where it's coming in the season. I the fewer opportunities for injury, the better. So I keep him well away. I keep everyone away. <laughs> I, just, I
0: just think. I just think Dan Tim maybe got a better offer. He's like got, you know, two weeks in the Seychelles booked or something. I don't know. That's like, well, I mean,
1: like, like, yeah. a, um, like a player getting their like, eighth yellow card just before Christmas so they can, have, wow. they can get suspended. It. I mean, it. It, <laughs> players literally say it as well after they retire, <laughs> don't they? It seems to go on a lot, that does. Um, did so- Josh Sargent play? Uh, this passed me by entirely. Did he get any minutes, do you know, for the States?
0: um yes he did he played i think he came on in the first game Uh, i think he did feature at some point in the second game i think uh the u.s men's national team were having a bit of a meltdown because uh they lost to japan and they're a bit worried that they're not going to win the world cup um so (laughs) we'll see how that how that goes uh you know loads of preparation time they're going to have at least four days (laughs) with the squad together (laughs) before they then kick off and I mean, it is going to be hilarious. Like even <laughs> like Norwich stop playing in the championship and then like the following weekend, England are playing. And it's <laughs> they're not going to have any time together. It's just going to be absolutely hilarious. So within, so within
1: a week of us watching Josh Sargent at Carrot, potentially we'll be seeing him against England in
0: Britain. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're all Norwich fans for whoever they play for. I mean, I have a feeling he was the only Norwich player selected for a World Cup squad during the current international break. So I would say he's most likely to be Norwich's only player at the World Cup, Josh Sargent. Just let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> um, unless Shemeslaw Poeta gets called up by Boland for that seems unlikely.
2: Doesn't it really uh, anyway. affect the cyber,
0: does it, if he does? <laughs> well no true i think he has been injured as well uh what else are we not going to talk about Uh, mark atanasio is now officially a director that's been registered with companies house someone did ask me whether that means he's passed the fit and proper persons test which does have to be undertaken Mm -hmm. the honest answer from me on that is i don't know but i was kind of told it wouldn't be an issue anyway to be honest so i don't expect that to come up and be a problem So, yeah, uh, he is officially a Norwich City director as far as Companies House are concerned. Read the piece. I wrote it. It's on The Athletic. I read that. Uh, Isaac Hayden is uh, out again for a couple of weeks. I spoke to Dean Smith about this today. The, The annoying thing about this, I think, is that each time Norwich try and train him on to be ready to appear, his knee isn't coping with it. I mean, Dean Smith did say that Isaac Hayden had been training last season, but... I just wonder, Dan, Like, if 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 he wasn't in the squad and he wasn't actually training to play, is that going to be the same as what he's trying to do at Norwich and train to be in the squad? Because he knew he wasn't going to play last season. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, well, we've seen it a lot, haven't we? With the, with knee injuries, they're kind of unpredictable because you don't know. I mean, I'm no uh, physio, but you, you don't seem to know how they or they don't seem to know how they're going to react to heavy training and not just running, but sort of when they get involved in team training as well and that aligned with the fact we've had zero luck um, in buying central midfielders usually or holding midfielders outside of uh, Skippy obviously means that we'll probably never see him this season but as Susanna mentioned earlier Liam Gibbs has looked outstanding well really really good since when he's come in and it was great to see him back actually I thought that was having him back could be across October with seven more games to play could be really really um, important for us.
0: It would be interesting if he starts actually against Reading. Um, we Did about that. Dean
1: Smith said to you that he was near a start already. Is that right? <clears throat> or maybe yeah. that was, yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. I, I think they felt it was a bit too soon um, for Reading. But now he's played, what, he played the last 15, 20 minutes, wasn't it, probably? Mm-hmm. So that and a couple of days extra training, he might be then ready. You you, you think if he's come through, i like, mean, okay.
1: We can't pin all our sort of hopes on him, but I'm absolutely pinning all my hopes on him uh, for the <laughs> like, that he is going to be the holding midfielder um, that we need. Actually, just popped into my head that he reminds me a bit of Harrison Reed, um, who is also a sort of really busy, excellent little uh, who, uh, defensive midfielder who can neat, neatly knit play together as well. I think he's got some Harrison Reed vibes. Too. I mean
0: you have to pin all your hopes on him because at the moment he is the defensive. (laughs) So that is literally it. Um, I don't think there's anything else interesting from the international break. Um, There was something slightly interesting in that Slavin Bilic is now Watford manager. For anyone who missed that uh, Watford sacked Rob Edwards. Having said they would give him all the time in the world to develop the... But, nope, they just sacked him. So that's that. Um, and Watford will be Watford, and then they won four 0 at Stoke. <laughs> so <they> probably, <laughs> probably won't lose another game, and we'll go up. Um, so obviously, it works for them. Uh, that's exciting. Um, anything else? Anything you don't want to talk about, Susanna? Just putting you bang on the spot. <laughs>
2: I was, just thinking, I was just thinking about all the managers that have been sacked because isn't it a third of the championship managers that have already been sacked this season? Yes, well, they've yeah. left
0: as well because Paul Ward oh, yeah. is no longer Rotherham manager. Um,
2: yeah.
0: He's <laughs> at a derby. Scenes. Uh, so, yes, um, it's, it is a changing picture in the championship as everyone panics. I think that's what we can ascertain from all that. Um, right. In that case, was there anything else on this? I t- no, I tell you what, let's just crack on. Let's just crack on with a bit. Get you any more questions in if you've got them uh, with. Let's bring in uh, Motti. This is almost fantasy football. That's right. It is, John. Almost fantasy football. What could be more fantastical than going to Reading on a Tuesday night for welcoming Preston North End, the goal machines that are Preston North End, to Carrow Road on Saturday. This is, of course, all part of um, outrageous October. I've just dubbed it in my head. (laughs) Um, Where Norwich have got lots of games, eight of them. I was slightly worried that if Norwich did lose to Blackpool, it would make the rest of these games quite difficult. But as it happens, they've won. So that's a decent start. Uh, Reading are in third. They've also got Watford coming up. That's quite a tricky one. Obviously, Luton just starting to find some form. That's at Carrow Road. Um, This is all in October. They then go to Sheffield United, who are the leaders. They have more points than Norwich. And then Burnley, who are currently fourth, I think. Um, And they are pretty decent as well. And then it's Alec Neal to round off the month. So that is... um, that's a lot, isn't it, Susanna? That is a lot for a month.
2: Yeah, I think we've, I think you've just got to look at the one game come, uh, coming up because otherwise it just gets it looks a little bit terrifying. <laughs> but everyone's in the same boat. Everyone everyone's got a horrific, um, a horrific, you know, time of it. And actually, I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, if, if we want Norwich to you know get promoted in the dream, you know, play in Europe, you do tend to have about eight or nine fixtures a month. So this is good practice for that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Great preparation for the Europa League. Happy days. This is this is this is this is how quickly football changes. I love it. Um Reading, Dan. are, are they any good? I, I i I'm look so you know, cards on the table. I'm looking forward to this game. It's gonna be a good challenge. We're gonna go in, going, right. This lot of third. This is gonna be a proper test. Norwich will probably lose. It's a really difficult trip away from home. But there's a bit in the back of my head that's saying they should probably not be third.
1: There yeah, they're odd team aren't they uh they're managed by a guy who had not managed for eight years uh who is uh also playing his son in the side which feels very sunday league football um and they've been hammered three by three or more goals three or four times this season already but yet are still somehow in third and it's sort of similar vibes to um was it the alex new alan irvine championship season when reading got a penalty shootout away from getting promoted, but and we beat them 7-1 that season. We're absolutely dreadful. Every time I saw them that season, dreadful, and it feels similar this time as well. They've been, was it, beaten by Rotherham and beaten by a couple of other large sides. So it does feel like when they come up against a decent side, then they've got a big crumble um, potential in them, I think. Having said that, you know, just setting ourselves up for a fall here and w- losing, but, I mean, come on, it, it's Reading. Like, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> clip that one out. Um, a does a does beat, anyone know uh, any wedding supporters? Uh, yes, I yes, know. Yes. Yes.
2: Oh, really? yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't When we beat
1: them, it, it always feels like to me a team that I never meet anyone who supports them from. A bit like you know, a bit like Tories. You never meet a Tory, but they've got to be there somewhere, haven't they? Well, and yeah. it always feels the same with wedding fans as well.
0: Is that why you no longer live in Norfolk, uh, Dan? Um, (laughs) uh, Talking about reading crumble, um, yes, I guess it it could be that or it could be, oh, I was going to do some sort of custard joke, but then I've just tried to say it. I thought that doesn't work. And then I stopped halfway and now I'm talking about it. But something about reading do a crumble or you'll end up with custard on your face, Dan, which is maybe because I didn't have any dessert and I'm still hungry
1: tonight. (laughs) Do you normally have dessert? Most midweek? Oh,
0: every day. Mm -hmm. Every day is
1: a dessert day. Lunch and yeah. dinner.
0: Yeah. And breakfast. Just, <laughs> just a sea of desserts, Um, which has completely lost my track of what I was going to talk about. Uh Yeah. Reading, uh, Reading uh, have been beaten quite heavily away from home. I think you mentioned Rotherham. I think they lost by a, a few goals at Sheffield United as well. They do have the best home record so far in the championship. That, I think. they
1: lose it? Didn't they lose it? To at home to Rotherham 4 Nil. Oh, maybe.
0: But maybe that was their only defeat and therefore they've still got more points at home than everyone mm. else. Let me uh, they let might, me
2: just best- go. No, I was gonna say they might have the best home record so far, but I was and this is this could be very reminiscent of all the Spurs fans getting excited on Saturday, but um I think we are unbeaten against them in our last seven meetings with them, I think.
0: That sounds that sounds plausible i can't remember the last time so, we it, really.
2: yeah i think we've won i think we won five of them so um and i think that's the longest sort of unbeaten sort of, run of the two, in the history of the team so we're on form technically to carry it on um but you know like those sort of things as you say dan always set you up for a fall if you start <laughs> thinking things like that so there's
1: a lot to clip out now <laughs> uh, indeed, uh, they lost three 0 at home to Sunderland. Sorry, not Rotherham. Very recently,
0: still. I mean, that's so that is the only they're the yeah. only points they've dropped at home, and also they've only conceded six. Well, I say they've conceded six at home, so three of them came in in the one game. They won five out of six, fifteen points. Only team with fifteen points out of six games played, but not everyone has played six games at home. So there we go. Uh, Well, that's exciting. Uh, Dean Smith did pick up on how big and strong and powerful they are, especially from set pieces. Uh, That made me wince a little bit. (laughs) So that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Then the game on Saturday, which is probably the poor relation to the rest of the month. It has to be said (coughs) for Preston at home. I mean, uh, Preston don't like goals, do they um, at all? They've scored one goal. Is that also? Oh no, hang on. That's only their home record. Hold on a moment. Uh, Preston have scored three goals in 11 games. They've conceded <laughs> four goals. Um, they've drawn seven of their 11 games, and I would guess most of them have been nil nil.
2: <laughs> so they're basically Brighton of the Championship.
0: Yeah. <laughs> not nearly so exciting. Um,
1: so uh, Reading have not drawn any, have they? So we're going from playing a team that have drawn none to a team that seems to draw all of the time
0: oh yes because someone as soon as someone today said reading haven't drawn a game i was like so that's what we're gonna get then so that's my prediction for tuesday night is a draw nil nil maybe not nil nil maybe nil 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 draw um you can go and now i've made a prediction you guys can make a prediction because you never make predictions Mm -hmm. uh who wants to go first with their prediction Dan? I'm going to say. So- go on, so- I, I think three,
2: one three to Norwich. i oh, sorry, we'll be one three I space, but yeah.
0: Reading, three. Uh, no, Reading no, 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 three, Norwich, Norwich, three. Three. Sorry. Norwich, Reading, three. one, yeah. three, Norwich in TIFO style. Love that. Dan?
1: Well, boringly, I was going to go for the same score, so I'll up the positivity and say three nil instead. I think, another
0: um, clean sheet yeah. Another clean sheet uh well that was exciting right let's uh so there we go norwich will be absolutely fine they're gonna have a whale of a time and they're gonna win against Reading. so that is exciting let's have a look at what other messages we've got and we'll round off the podcast uh yoddy toddy hello yoddy toddy uh, with the raft of games in october should we see Hugill getting some games susanna oh fingers crossed susanna
2: I really like Hugo. I think he's, especially if we're going to start O'Neill as well and not having this bit of energy. I think Jordan just likes to come on and just absolutely just goes for it. Um, and depending on who else is still left on the pitch, it can open things up for Pookie or Sargent if everyone's focusing on the ball of energy that's just powering through. And he's just, he's just a bit, you know, he's just a bit, he just doesn't mind. He's sort of like the grab handle going forward. He just goes <laughs> through everything. Um, you know, you wouldn't want
1: to. You wouldn't want to have him running at you. So, I like, kind of like that. Beautiful work. That's grand. <laughs> the, the vision of um, Jordan Hugo just running at you now is that's going to be nightmare. If that is,
0: <laughs> I'll sleep well on that. It would be yeah. good to see. I, I, I feel like he wouldn't let anyone down if he came on, and I think he would be chipping in. Um, and he probably does need the game time before Adamida is fit, I guess, as well. So,
1: it would be nice. As we have so many games, maybe, and whether this is sacrilege or not, to give a maybe a little rest occasionally and have Sergeant, have Sergeant down the middle again because he was effective there. And it means he doesn't have to play out on the right, which where he is less effective as well. If you want to balance, if you want to keep players fit and want to sort of keep them happy as well, then wouldn't be against seeing Sergeant occasionally given a run there. Which, in fairness, he did
0: for the last 20 minutes or so on, on Saturday to rest to rest temu a bit and was happy with what Josh did. So um, there's always that option as well. I mean, that, that's something for temu to get 20 minutes rest, to be honest, because he hasn't normally had that in recent seasons. Um, Gerald Churchard. Hello, Gerald. Uh, what is the latest on the left-back situation? Where do you think our weak links are in the formation? So, uh, guys, you can answer that one. But the left-back situation at the moment, obviously Sam Byram is starting and playing and looked a bit more Um, up to speed I thought on Saturday compared to before the international break Uh, Dimi Yanoulis is on the grass is the official term which would mean he's running and testing and building up the strength in in the joint but he's not um, in team training yet and I would guess he's probably still a week or two away from that which then probably means he's then another further week or two away from actually playing and certainly starting so um, that's just me putting those figures on (laughs) I'm guessing that we'll see but uh, um, maybe we'll see him back this month that would be great. Um, but that's probably the soonest we will see him. We'll have to see, and uh, the others aren't anywhere near. Uh, Sam McCallum is still in a boot, and he will be post World Cup. Uh, Jakob Sørensen, Jakob Sørensen, is out of his boot, I think, but um, is a bit further off. So I think that's where all the left backs are. Uh, weak links in the formation. Surely there aren't any weak links in the formation, Susanna. Um.
2: Maybe. No, I, I mean it's hard to criticise when we're, when we're, I'd say unbeaten. I, I would like to see a little bit more of an assured midfield, and it's something we, we didn't really have last season as much as we'd like. But I think we're getting, I think we're getting there. I think I, I'd like to see Todd back. I think some of his through balls are phenomenal, and they seem to actually get where they need to go. Um, which we sometimes we seem to be hooping balls in the air, not knowing where the players are going to be, and they're not going anywhere. And we're, we're giving the ball away quite a lot. I'd just like to see a little bit more. I don't. Know, I don't want to say intelligence behind it. Just a bit more of a thought process before just whacking the ball forward. Um, and I think Todd does that a little bit. Um, yeah, because I, I, I was just watching. Sorry, I'm going on a side tangent. I was watching the uh, highlights of the, the West Ham Wolves game and, and Skamaka's goal. He actually provided his own sort of ball to bound and then got in position. Like that's the kind of forward thinking we need. That like someone midfield to, to not just poof it up that way and go well that's my job done to also then be sort of trying to figure out where it's going to go who it's going to and where it's going to go after that um i think todd can provide that i mean that's i think was the intention after wendy left and i think that's that's what we need because i think that's what pookie needs as well he's sometimes not, not getting through balls he needs um, that's um
0: yeah. that's a lovely point actually uh, todd missed Saturday through a small thigh mm-hmm. injury but they were hopeful that he will be back training um Today and tomorrow uh, there were a few times where Teemu Pukki was played in and then no one really busted gut to get back up in support of him and that was incredibly frustrating because you can- <laughs> you cannot just give Teemu the ball with four defenders and then just sort of sit and watch you've got to get up in support so uh yeah work on that please um uh Norwich um uh unless you have any weak links in the formation Dan you want to highlight it will be interesting if say Liam Gibbs to comes in who who was that,
1: I was going to say, I mean, obviously left-backs the weak link through necessity at the moment, although I thought Byron was good against Blackburn, was good against West Brom, especially second half. He feels maybe he's getting his rhythm back as well. He was out for a long time, but yeah, it's, it's central midfield, isn't it? It's interesting. If Gibbs comes in, in a four-two-three-one, is there a role for Kenny in that? I'm not sure there is. If it's a 4 there's probably a role for Kenny in that, so interesting to see where Smith goes with that. Uh, uh, now Gibbs is back. And as I mentioned before, I'm not a fan of Sargent up on the right. I think we lose a bit of control with him there. I don't think it does him any favours because it's not his natural position. And I don't think it does the team many favours either because it's not his natural position. And someone like Dowell or Sinani is better suited to that sort of wide right role, I think, as well. It does still feel a little bit like, um, and I think I've said it before in the podcast, when um, Neil Adams would play Jerome and Graben up top rather than just one of them, which is what Alex Neil did when he came in, would just play one of them. It feels like, so, and I can get it, you know, he's a goal scorer. It's nice to have more goal scorers on the pitch. He's physical as well. He wins headers, et cetera. So I get it, but I don't think we get the most out of him when he's playing wide right.
0: Indeed, fair point. A uh, couple of little updates. So Alex says there was also a large march from the Manchester pub to the ground at Blackpool, helped <clears throat> to build up the atmosphere before the match. That's good. Glad they got to do that. I don't know if there's something similar at uh, Reading, but James Bloomfield has chipped in. Uh, the away pub will be the world turned upside down at Reading. Uh, I, that's how I'm reading that. I assume that is the name of a pub near the Medeski mm-hmm. Stadium. Don't know if, I don't know of many pubs near there, but there we go. Uh, maybe you have to cross the M4 to get there. Let's <laughs> hope not. Um, the City Elite... Which I, th- I saw them post a video with basically dun, 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 in the background. Uh, and the drum will be on the march, but sadly, the drum is not allowed into the stadium at Reading. So there we go. You'll just have to go dun, 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 in your heads. And uh, it does bode the question what happens to the drum from the march <laughs> to, during the game? I think you have to sort of stick. Could they drum on the drum outside the stadium but
1: still be heard in it? That's a sad job, isn't it? Having to be the guy that stands outside still drumming while Drum your mate sitter. has gone inside. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guessing they'll just sort of stick it by the
0: side side of the road. <laughs> Who knows? Um, right, I think we are. I think we are done. Oh, there was one. Yeah, there's two. Let's do quick ones. Actually, um, Simon Copper, we asked this as well. Well, no, Simon Copper, we asked, "Will Pookie get his century this season? Because of course, he, let's say it does need to be this season. He is chipping in with the goals now. What's he up to? 82. To 82.
1: Is he two or flick so. now, isn't he? I think. Yeah. But...
0: So he's got to get another 18.
1: Sure, why not then? Yeah. <laughs>
0: He'll, get <there. laughs> He'll get there. Which then does both the, both the question from Adam Coulter Who will be our top goal scorer, Pookie or Sergeant?
2: Depends how we're going to play them, doesn't it?
0: And we're fitness. playing them
2: both together. I think Pookie, if we let Sergeant have a bit on his own, maybe he will
0: so you're saying it's literally in dean smith's power as to who is norwich's top scorer this season i like that
1: Whoever it is, Norwich City is the winner, but it, it'll be Pookie, won't he, if he doesn't get injured, surely?
0: <laughs> well said. Well said, Dan. And finally, uh, Simon Duarte, it was great to see the legends for a great cause last weekend, though I did miss out on a photo with my hero, Kevin Drinkle. I'm sorry, Simon. I hope that opportunity does come back, but it was the football versus dementia game um, with uh, Ken Brown and, or oh, who was the other team? It was
1: uh, names escaped me. Well, it was in memory of Paul Chick, wasn't it? Yes, that's right.
0: Uh, so yeah, that sounded like a brilliant occasion i hope everyone enjoyed it who was there and uh, it sounds like they'll be doing that again next year so um good on that and i hope that all goes really well right i think that is all of that unless there's uh kenny other business anyone have a... any other business yes susanna Any I other can
2: business? Bally Mumba because he's just been very um player of the month for um oh, I'm it from. i always get plymouth and important important yeah there we go um <laughs> But, um, but he had that amazing game against Ipswich and scored that fabulous goal and I would like him back <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well he's, he's doing great <laughs> got a lengthy contract Susanna so I, I, I know
2: that I know happen, so but, but it, was, it was nice to see him doing, doing bits against Ipswich so.
1: brilliant
0: Dan Can any other business?
1: Uh, no I don't think so other than something I just saw on Twitter before this uh, nothing to do with Norwich City but uh, are you surprised that an NBA basketball court fits inside an 18 yard box? in uh, football the whole court in basketball fits inside an 18 yard box
0: is that right that's true yeah i am surprised quite
1: quite easily as well
0: that's the perfect definition of kenny other business that (laughs) i didn't know didn't know that was the case um right well uh, on that note of absolute bamboozlement um i think we are done for another on the ball Norwich City podcast, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player, and we will return to streaming. Oh, I read that without it here. We are streaming the podcast live. Here we are, and we'll be doing that uh, onwards, post width, full width. You can see the podcast live in video form on uh, my social media channels. So have a search, and I'm sure you'll find them. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated and if you want to get in touch with the any questions or topic proposals then just sling me a direct message on twitter the handle is that michael j bailey and hopefully i will pick it up although there's lots of messages i haven't seen yet (laughs) and will reply to it's fine uh as for this evening a big thank you to our guests this evening Susanna. thank you so much for joining us um thanks i'm glad you enjoyed blackpool and safe travels to reading tomorrow Uh, Dan, thank you for your insight and MBA court size knowledge.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure. It is. It's been
0: brilliant to have you on. Uh, we'll be back next Monday for another edition of the On The Ball podcast. But until then, all I'm left to say is never mind the danger. This is almost fantasy football that's not the right thing (laughs) hang on until next time never mind the danger And we're clear and we are actually still live. That last mess up, by the way, does just remind me of my video verdict where people generally thought I was drunk while I was doing it because my hair was flapping in the wind. Were you not? Well, I wasn't drunk. No, because I had to drive there and drive home. And I also, for some reason in my head, thought that Sheffield United were playing Reading. And it was only when I'd finished everything and got home, I double-checked. It's like, oh, they're playing Birmingham. <laughs> Why have I even thought that? I don't, still don't know how I'd have that in my hand. So between that and my hair flapping everywhere, I think everyone thought I was uh, just having a really good time in Blackpool, but not that good a time. Anyway, I'm going to leave all this in because of the clip mock-up. So there we go. Have a lovely evening, everyone. Bye-bye.